It's the most horrible time of the year. Time to get off your asses and calculate taxes, because Taxman is near. It should be the IRS that you fear. Yes, blockchain buddies and crypto comrades, it's time to start thinking about how to manage your crypto gains and losses from last year. And to help us sort through it all, we've got blockchain CPA Drew Karnuski along for the ride. We'll discuss crypto tax basics, loss harvesting, ICO taxation, tools to help you do the math, and how to not go to prison. So much fun, you'll be singing holiday tax songs along with us on episode number 200. And 29 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, the crypto serious, and those of you that traded in crypto last year. You got to pay your taxes, yo. It is that time, you know, it's, I believe you can start filing your taxes, what is like on the 20th of January or something, it's like the early date, but the, the latest date you can do that obviously is April 15th, but there's the first date, and I know that's coming up here before you know it, so... Uh, it is time to um, get your things together. And, you know, you might not want to think about it, but you really need to. Please pay attention to this episode. Uh, Drew has done his research, and uh, we're going to bring him on here in uh, just a few minutes. But first, a shout out to our show sponsor, who Dappy? Dappy Coin Payments. .net, founded in 2013 as the first altcoin payment processor offering support for both Ethereum and Litecoin payments. They have now grown to support over 1,100 coins and tokens. They got a global user base of over 2.3 million businesses and users in about 182 different countries they have facilitated over one and a half billion in crypto transactions and they've got a bunch of cool pre-built plugins and integrations for all the major e-commerce platforms so whether you're using uh, shopify magento woocommerce they've got the apis for custom integration they've got hosted wallets conversion and fiat settlement functionality and uh, these guys at coin payments lead the way in furthering adoption of cryptocurrencies if you're a merchant and you want to take crypto payments of over 1,100 different flavors, coinpayments.net, and tell them bad crypto sent yes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You can actually take cryptos, and you can hold the cryptos and hodl them, and they can grow, or you can immediately convert them over to a stable coin, which I think is a pretty fantastic feature. We don't worry about that volatility. Hodl me, Travis. Hodl me. Okay, baby. It's cold outside. <laughs> Let's get to our interview with Drew Karnowski. It's that time of the year again, folks, that time of the year where we have to broach a topic that we approach apprehensively because nobody likes to talk about taxes except for CPAs. Talking taxes with Travis and Joe's. Oh, hello, Mr. Travis Wright. This is going to be super interesting because out of all the interviews that we do, 
this one in the content within applies to everybody that does anything in the crypto space. Yes, if you're in the crypto world, you have probably maybe traded some cryptos or maybe you've gotten paid in cryptos or, you know, maybe you are just hodling your cryptos. And so maybe you don't have any tax events if you're just hodling, but maybe you bought some cryptos and then the price of cryptos went way down and then you sold the cryptos. And so maybe you have some losses. And so there might be some ways if you had, um, you know, depending on what you had did in your crypto portfolio, there might be some uh, some really good advice in this podcast for you. And there are many CPAs in the world, but it turns out that not too many of them really understand this whole crypto world yet. And so there are a lot of people that are either not reporting their crypto gains or uh, under-reporting or misreporting, and there's a lot of confusion, which is why I'm glad we have Drew Karnowski with us. Drew is with the Archer Tax Group. They're one of the leading voices in tax planning surrounding cryptocurrencies. They specialize in tax mitigation, planning for ICOs and STOs, not STDs. Also, business integration of cryptocurrency and blockchain. They advise individuals, both foreign and domestic, with helping ICOs plan their their tax strategy across internal borders. Drew, welcome to Bad Crypto. Hey, thanks. Okay, tell us everything we need to know. Ready? Go. All right. Well, for, first of all, <laughs> right now, if you haven't harvested loss, uh, you kind of missed the boat a little bit. It was something that you had to do before before the end of the year. And I think, you know, if we were to sum up 2018 kind of in one, one blurb, it's loss harvesting. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it hurts. It, it hurts, hurts me so, so bad. bad in my cryptos. Oh, for sure. Well, and and honestly, I mean, it, it's just one of those things that even still, you know, if you didn't have massive gains to offset, and I think I, I had quite a few clients actually that, you know, they they sold the, the, the peak in January, bought back in in March, wrote it down, sold a little bit off and, and kind of chipped away at that that huge balance. But, you know, some people are in a situation where it doesn't even make sense to loss harvest because you're basically resetting your um, counter for long-term capital gains. So it, it, as if, you know, with, with everything in taxes... Everything is always the answer. Well, it depends. You know, depending on your circumstances, sometimes a move makes a lot of sense. Sometimes it doesn't. It's just one of those things that as as we take a look and see, um, you know, the, the IRS is slowly catching up. They've put out one notice back in 2014, and that's really the only official guidance that we've gotten gotten from them. And what, what, is, what does that say? Why don't we start yeah, there certainly. and then let's define some of the terms for those that really, you know, I don't like to pay attention to all this, I just hand this stuff to my CPA and say, do my taxes. Yeah, certainly. So so with that, uh, the, the notice is 2014-21. And what that basically outlines is, is cryptocurrency is treated as property for tax tax purposes. So that means if you're buying for investment and selling, you know, if you buy at $100 and you sell for $150, you are going to have a $50 capital gain. If it's sold within a year, you're going to pay short-term capital gains taxes on that capital gain. If it's sold a, one year and one day, now you're in the long-term bracket, which can be anywhere from zero to 20%. The other thing that it really outlines too is, you know, if you get paid in crypto, what's the treatment for that? And, and that's really stipulated as if, you know, think about being paid in gold or any other kind of tangible property, you recognize the fair market value at the time is gross income, subtract out your expenses, and then pay income and potentially self-employment tax on it. Um, hey, Drew, let, let me interrupt you for just a yeah. moment, because just by the way, for listeners, of course, we are talking about the United States Certainly. Internal Revenue Service and tax law. And for those of you that are, you know, our foreign listeners, you're going to need to check with your local authorities to find out 
how the tax law applies to you. Certainly. And, and we've worked with a couple of Canadians as well. Um, and they've got a completely different capital gains calculation structure where they don't differentiate between long and short-term capital gains. They say take 50% of it and then multiply by the, the basic tax rate and that's what you pay. So it's amazing, you know, the different jurisdictions as well. You know, if you're a U.S. citizen living abroad, you might be subject to that that country's tax structures or you might still owe tax back to the United States as well. Um, it just it just really depends on on the specific country that you're in. So yeah, every every country's got their own rules and they're all trying to figure it out and and try some of them are jockeying for position to be the best tax haven if you will. You know, places like Malta, you know, your traditional ones like Hong Kong and um, British Virgin Islands, the Caribbean tends to be pretty tax friendly as well. I want to ask a question around this. So you talked about lost harvesting and yeah. you know, we've had conversations internally about this. Now, is that something that First of all, explain what that means, because for some people are going, what does that mean? It, it, it's it's pretty intuitive. I think most people will figure it out. But then is that something that most countries are accepting as a tactic? Because people are. I mean, I know that I had some pretty big instances where I, I was buying two and three and four dollar, you know, coins that are now worth nine cents. Right. And that that was not awesome. I mean, I lost I lost my ass on a lot of that stuff. And so is that is that a tactic or a strategy that's available mostly worldwide? Yeah, so they, most countries will recognize that. Um, the U.S. is unique in that it caps the, the capital loss. So when, when we talk about um, taxes, you've got capital gains tax and you've got ordinary income tax. And ordinary income is anything, you know, self-employment, W-2 job, other income, things along those lines, that if you've got capital loss, you can only take $3,000 of capital loss in excess of your capital gains. So if, if you had capital gains of, you know, say you got lucky and cashed out in January, $100,000, and then throughout the year, you've lost essentially the value of $150,000 and you've harvested that, you know, you sold the tokens, you recognize the loss, it's not just tokens that you're holding. Um, you can only recognize 3000 against, you know, maybe $50,000 worth of ordinary income from your W-2 day job. And the rest will wipe the balance of, of your capital gains of a hundred thousand. So then you'll have forty seven thousand dollars of loss left, and that will carry forward into the next year against other capital gains. So in a lot of cases, you know, if if you're holding those those you know down coins, your nine cent tokens, Travis, if you think they're going to come back up, sometimes it doesn't make sense to harvest that loss because all you're doing is resetting your basis at a lower point that you're going to have to pay, pay more capital gains on. So unless you have a bunch of tokens that you won on earlier in the year. Or you've been, you know, BitMEX trading like a fiend and have a ton of capital gains there, then it doesn't necessarily make sense to harvest that loss. And there's a couple states too, like Pennsylvania, that they only let you take that loss for one year and they don't carry it forward and they still cap it. So you can really set yourself up in a really poor position. Well, I don't want to name any names, Dragon Chain. (laughs) (laughs) I I really should have got out in January. I mean, we're talking about $250,000 when it was $5 a coin. Now it's nine cents. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that was a big, sad Travis. I, I, I spent the last week of the year really looking at my portfolio and saying, what do I think is a winner? What do I think is a loser? And and just rebalancing my portfolio just to harvest that loss. I think we ended up harvesting about $21,000 of capital loss in, in, in our own portfolios here. That whole dragon chain thing was a Travis stee. It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Well, once the SEC started getting in there and started bullying him and saying, hey, blah, 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 because it was poised to basically be the IPO, you know, uh, platform for the U.S. And then the SEC came in and was like, no. And then all of a sudden. I, I, I have family that was hyping on on DragonCoin that was really pushing me to invest in it. I was hyping my own, you know, shitcoin essentially. And we were both wrong. It's, it's amazing how much that, you know, even a little bit of regulation and 
enforcement by the SEC can tank a project. I mean, look at, uh, was it Paragon Coin even got slapped on the wrist by the SEC and it took a nosedive immediately after that leaked. Yeah. Whoever got out in January and just stayed out the whole year, genius. Charlie right? Lee. Like he was. <laughs> <laughs> actually he got out in like november i think yeah so what what is this terminology about like kind exchange and how does that apply to crypto Ooh, this is this is my favorite question because this is how i kind of got my start in cryptocurrency and i've been arguing with people on reddit for about two years now about like why you gotta argue drew don't I, don't be a, you know it's it's not arguing if you've got all of the facts and statutes now I'm just waiting. Is the tax troll. Right, right. I, I, <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to help people out. I, I hate paying any more money to the government than is legally necessary. And if you are wrong about like-kind exchange and you lose, you're looking at what's called a substantial understatement penalty, which is 20% on top of the balance that you owe, plus other penalties and interest. So for, for me, you know, I am a big believer in, you know, not necessarily rolling over and taking the the easiest, most safe path. I believe in having supporting documentation for for any position that I take. So circling back to like kind of exchange on that, when you look at the breakdown um, for what is explicitly excluded from like kind of exchange, there's about eight different things, you know, things like um, inventory in in use of a business, securities and other notes, uh, things that that tend to line more up with what cryptocurrency is. And there's a couple different um, revenue rulings as well from the 80s that really talk about, you know, can you trade you know, gold for silver. And when I start to think about, you know, what what is the most tangible like um, item that we can use if we're going to be sitting in front of a federal, you know, judge in tax court that that probably has never even touched a Bitcoin or, you know, has any idea who Satoshi is, how are we going to explain it and articulate this case? And if the IRS... I don't, I don't know that I've ever touched a well, Bitcoin either. I, I thought they were fair, fair. You, you got me there. <laughs> Travis, I'm going to make you my new intern. <laughs> okay, uh, very nice. You know, with, with that, there are several statutes that don't allow you to trade, you know, gold for silver or other other precious metals. The only time that you can invoke like kind exchange when it comes to precious metals is if you're going from gold bullion to gold coins of the same purity that are both domestic. So you can't be trading a gold bar for for gold cougarans and and expect to invoke like kind exchange. So when we look at that and we start to compare, well, what is you know Bitcoin to Ethereum? What is Litecoin to Ethereum? What is dragon chain to ethereum you know and even some of these foreign coins i don't really see a, a way that is going to make a lot of sense for you know a, a judge to to be on the side of crypto that that's like kind and the other caveat that people don't realize with like kind exchange it's it's not like the uh, michael scott the office where you can just run around and, and scream i declare like kind exchange you know, i just declare bankruptcy you actually have to file quite a bit of paperwork for every individual transaction. And 99.9% of the people that I talk to that are insistent on like kind exchange are not filing that form. Um, and, and with that, I mean, if you're talking two to 3,000 trades, you're talking about quite a few of those forms to go in with your, your tax return. So your tax return would be, I mean, massive. And most tax preparers aren't going to, to prepare that. Now, you could maybe make an argument that a forked token like Bitcoin to, to BCH could be considered, but you would have to actually fill out that form for like kind of exchange. And honestly, after 2017 tax year closed, there's no longer like kind of exchange for anything that's non, non-real estate. So I, so I want to follow up on that then. So why is it if I have, you know, uh, let's see, 10 you know, 10 ounces, 10 ounce bar gold, mm-hmm. and I want to switch it out for 10 Cougarans, or maybe I want to get five, you know, pal, you know, the five British gold coins and five Aust- Austrian gold coins or whatever. Why is that? 
Why is that a difference? Is it because they're a foreign national currency officially, but it's still gold? So what difference does it make? So, so it, it's it's not necessarily talking about was the the newsmatic or, or whatever that the technical term is for for you know uh, currency minted in gold. We're we're talking you know gold bars to gold coins. The main reason why it's domestic only, and and all tax law typically points to who's a special interest group and how does this benefit the United States specifically. They want to maintain U.S. gold supremacy, not looking at other other countries. So it's about offshore. Those other coins are so cool, though. I, it's like I know. I don't just want gold. I don't want gold U.S. coins. I want I want to get a sampling of cool coins that's, from all it's over. Goldist. Like, hey. Why do they have to be gold supremacists? <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a silver maximalist anyways but which by the way I, I just noticed i hadn't looked in a month or so but gold and silver both have gone up uh you know a little bit here over the past month you, you know i i might have to buy a little bit more gold and this is not investment advice for anyone who's listening so don't don't ever try to pin this back on me uh, in any way shape or form any regulatory body the more that we get into you know crazy political seasons I think that, you know, buying gold in the short term and, and just kind of swapping it after, you know, political season ends, depending on who takes office, might not be a bad investment strategy. Everyone is so torn up about all different news stories for, for any given reason, and everyone thinks that the world is ending. Why not? Why not play on that, that chaos? Hey, it's not. We're not. We're not all done. It's not over. Oh, I, I thought we were supposed to die after the tax law updates because uh, that, that was supposed to be, you know, the end of all living things. And, and I'm, I'm still here. You know, there's another tax season coming up. So I'm happy. You know what's crazy about that? I, I want to throw this in here because it just it just it lends itself to this story right here. So, you know, back when the price of, of Bitcoin was really high, you know, I bought some I I traded out and got some gold, some gold coins. Mm-hmm. And then I sold, I think, what was it? I sold four gold coins and um, I got I, I, the dude. Uh, the, he's had this he's had this store for 30 years. And so he wrote me a check. I'm like, this dude's been here for 30 years. I trust the guy to write a check. Put the check in my bank. The check bounces. I ha- then that causes because I didn't. Ha- I don't normally keep a lot of money in that account, and so then that caused some issues. And so I had to go back to the dude, wrote me a new check. Then I had to go to his bank, cash the check, and then so now I got forty five hundred dollars or five thousand dollars in cash. And then I take it to my bank to deposit, right? And then here I am going, oh my god, I got five thousand dollars in cash on me. Like, what happens if I get robbed? Oh, and then you're literally thinking like this whole process took me like an hour and a half to go from this bank to that to do this to do that and i'm like dude just like sell me crypto right. like buy buy my gold for crypto like i don't i've not seen any stores in, in, in anywhere and i've looked you know gold to crypto come down and you know that'd be it's gold to cash remember those cash yeah. cash for gold commercials <laughs> crypto mm-hmm. for gold mm-hmm. right <laughs> They need that. We need that seriously. I'd be like, ah, oh, oh, I got the. Tr- okay, I got it. Good, good. I'm going. Well, I'm you, you, man, it was, it was such. A you know, we've hit peak crypto when you start seeing those cash out your annuity for Bitcoin commercials on TV. Those are the ones I miss of the the financial bygone era. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the the basics surrounding crypto because yep. you've got some different accounting methods that you can Certainly. use for this. You know, your FIFO, your LIFO, your NIFO. Well, and I mean, you're really not limited to any any kind of accounting methodology. You can even do what's known as specific selection, which I mean, we can say I am trading this Bitcoin at this price that I purchased back in March. This is when I sold it here in November. So the only thing that I wouldn't recommend utilizing is cost averaging. And the main reason why is that is a, an accounting method specifically for 
um, stocks and other you know mutual funds, things along those lines, I would be very, very cautious about doing that. And that's one of those things, once again, we try not to take unnecessary risk, but we're not going to just take FIFO and say FIFO is the way to go. I've had too many clients come to me after talking to their their old CPA and saying, look, they are only looking to do FIFO. They want to do this as, as cleanly as possible. But if I do that versus LIFO, I'm going to end up owing a significant amount of money. So and to, that's let's why be clear, FIFO means yeah. first in, first out. LIFO is Correct. last in, first out. Correct. And you can do highest price first out. You can do closest to sale or, like I said, specific identification as well. And there's a lot of different software systems that will help you kind of navigate that process. I mean, if you're talking multiple exchanges over multiple multiple months, over thousands of transactions, it can be kind of you know a pain in the butt to try and do that with just the raw data. You know, I've used Bitcoin.tax in the past. Um, you know, token tax seems to be an up and coming star. You know, I, I have seen that they do offer the the FBAR side of things, which most companies don't, as far as the the accounting goes. Um, and there's another one you know, that's working well too. That's trying to actually, um, you know, look at some additional um, savings and looking at what the market price actually is. You know, so if you're trading on a decentralized exchange, how do you figure out what the actual USD value of of your crypto is? Do you go to Coin Market Cap and and try and grab that ex- you know specific time slot? Can you average it across exchanges? As long as you are holding a, a consistent accounting methodology and you can prove your basically prove your work, you've got a pretty strong case for whatever pricing you've got, as long as it's not too far off the standard norm. You know, you can't claim, well, hey, Bitcoin was selling at you know a thousand dollars on this random exchange that has sold 0.0001 Bitcoin of volume in the day, versus you know, looking at Binance and saying, well, it was at a hundred and you know, one thousand five hundred for the day. So you have to be reasonable, but there's some some savings in looking at, you know, how you're actually pricing your cryptocurrencies as well. And the only service that I've seen that's been doing that is crypto counting. And they're trying to, to kind of break into the market. They're they're a new up and coming company. And so just for clarification again, uh FIFO first in, first out, LIFO last in, last out. WIFO takes half whenever she's out. So, <laughs> yeah. You should have Bezos. <laughs> yeah. How about that for some capital losses? Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> so so yeah, what about crypto backed loans? Because I know that's been one of those big oh, things yeah. that that people have been talking about as something that's that's valuable. Like I don't necessarily want to sell my 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 Bitcoin, but if I can maybe get a loan for it or so, like well, how does that work? And how does that if I do get a crypto backed loan, what are the tax implications? Yeah, certainly. So this this was actually a, a passion project of mine. Mid 2017, I was convinced that I was going to do my own ICO around this specific issue. The idea being just at a super high level, a crypto backed loan is not not considered a sale. Think of it kind of like a mortgage. You're not selling your house, you're using the house as collateral to pull money, money against it. So in that case, I mean, if if you think that we've kind of hit the bottom, you know, and I've I've seen a lot of people panic about the the price slides because then you have to basically get your loan in compliance. Otherwise, they essentially foreclose the loan and take the assets. As long as your loan doesn't get seized, there's no tax implications. And if you're running it through a business, the interest that you pay on on the crypto-backed loan, if they're business assets, you can actually write off the interest as a business expense. Okay. So you know timelines are super important when we're talking taxes Certainly. because the IRS likes you to have your return filed. By a certain day. Of course, we've already missed the ability to harvest losses. If you didn't sell uh, for losses by December 31st at midnight, then you're out on that. But what are some of the other things we need to know about a schedule? Certainly. So if, if you've got any kind of corporate entity, 
Um, you know, partnerships, C corps, S corps, that would all be on March 15th is the filing deadline or extension deadline. And then for individuals, it's actually April 15th this year. In the past, they've um, moved it because of federal holidays in DC where it's been April 17th. But this year is April 15th to file that either your 1040 individual return or an extension. And one thing to remember too, is if you're going to file an extension, if you've got the ability to pay what you think you might owe, you can actually avoid some penalties by uh, paying with that extension. Or if you've got no priors on your account, you've been in compliance for the last three years, they'll waive most of the penalties surrounding uh, an extension. The only one being is if you didn't prepay estimated taxes by January 15th, that's the last last date to pay estimated taxes for the year. I have a question then around, you know, because here you are, you're on all these different exchanges. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I think I'm probably on 15 different exchanges because it depends on like, oh, I want to sell this token or I want to buy this token. It's only available over here. Now I got to go get an account over here. And now I got that and I've made a couple trades here and I've done, moved this over here. I don't do a whole lot of trading, but if I want to, you know, go get one of these coins, I got to go and log into this new account and buy right. a new, or I got to get this new account. So how, how does that work? Like, what are some of the tools to help sort through some of this just huge mess? Because I know that you can export, you know, the trades and stuff that you've done, but is there a recommended tool that you like the most that says, hey, this keeps everything organized effectively? You know, I, I think it, it just depends on the, the amount of volume. You know, if we're talking a handful of exchanges here and there, I love Excel, just logging the the coins sent to the exchange, what you traded them for, and, and the actual transaction data. Most of the exchanges will at least have sometimes a, a three-month rolling account information. Really, you only need the trading data. Anytime that you move your own crypto to your own wallet does not constitute a tax event. But, you know, if you've got any kind of fees or things like that, you can add that back into the basis. So if you're moving from exchange to exchange quite a bit, it's probably a pretty good idea to grab grab that basis information. Um, but overall, you know, trying to stick to some of the more established exchanges that will have that that data as a customer service um, would probably help sort that out. But I mean, there there are some things that you can only get on, you know, Cryptopias or decentralized exchanges, things like that, that you're just going to have to keep your own records. And, and I really highly recommend Excel. You know, I do have a spreadsheet. So if anyone wants that, you know, Travis, if you want me to send that to you. I'm happy to send you this this template spreadsheet that you can at least log those transactions. I would say this, maybe send that over to us and we will include it in the show notes yeah. in this particular episode and uh, make sure that you put your uh, compliments of Drew and yeah. that'll be good. Helpful. Absolutely. We've got, we've got a whole page of uh, downloadable templates for people to utilize for, for all sorts of different crypto, crypto nice. transactions. Uh, there's plenty of people in the business of crypto that have gotten paid in crypto, you know, as contractors for services, advisory, how do you manage all this? Yeah. So, so with that, I mean, once again, records, records are key, you know, having invoices and um, being able to match them to crypto transactions will, will save a lot of headaches. So I've got quite a few clients that aren't ICOs, but are, you know, I would consider crypto adjacent businesses that are either, you know, web designers or marketing people that we have to track what crypto they receive, how much it was worth when they received it in order to figure out that gross income kind of like we talked about from the notice. And then from there, it just becomes a, a traditional you know, accounting, if you will. We we'd literally take the same expenses, try to figure out, and no matter whether the business is profitable or not, that crypto, whatever the fair market value that you received it at, that becomes its, its basis. So there's some cases where a business is just breaking even, that if they get paid in crypto, they can actually collect additional money without having to essentially pay any tax on it because they've got the fair market value. So it's it's amazing how 
beneficial crypto can be for a business. But a lot of businesses are really scared to take on the, the risk of you know, dramatic price changes, you know, and, and there's plenty of stable coins out there now that are easy enough to transact with that that would solve that issue, you know, almost immediately. Um, but we're seeing a lot of startups here in the Denver area specifically that are working to help businesses, you know, create a, a seamless payment platform that will either cash out or at least have the records for them that they can either then give to me or, you know, another accountant that can help them kind of suss out the the planning around the crypto Everybody side. be sussing. <laughs> now, let's, let's talk a little bit about this because now let's say... You know, I know a lot of what you're doing is you're helping the individual investors, the individual crypto consumers, right? What about folks that have maybe run an ICO or they're doing an STO? What what, what are some of the taxation? Do you deal with any of that, the taxation with those types of things? Oh, because yeah. it seems to me with they, they've raised a lot of money. Then if they held their cryptos for too long, maybe they lost a lot of money. Like, what are some advice that you might give? Folks who to have did an ICO in 2018 or are doing a STO in 2019. Yeah, so I mean that, and then that's actually been a, a pretty big developing part of our business. We've been getting pulled into more and more ICO STO projects because they want to know that before they even raise the tokens. So that really boils down to you know, are we talking a utility token or are we talking an STO? Because those those companies that have those STOs. Generally speaking, it runs almost like a, a capital raise through stock where they're not going to recognize that as income. Um, it's just going to be you know, equity on their balance sheet. And then they've got the associated assets that, that come with that. Now, if you're looking at a utility token, and, and there's been so many different cases that have kind of unwound the utility token argument. So obviously talk to any qualified attorney about that before you decide that you're going to do your own utility token launch. But one thing that people don't realize is selling a utility token is just like selling any other product. You're going to have to recognize that as income, subtract out your expenses, and then calculate the the potential income tax on that. And after the the Wayfair versus South Dakota Supreme Court case of last year, depending on which states you're operating in, you want to make sure you know where your your customers are located. Because if you're selling them tokens that are essentially software as a service, there are 13 different states in the United States that will actually charge sales tax on that software as a service. So if you raise $30 million and you didn't put money aside for sales tax, for the income tax, you could potentially have both the federal government and different state jurisdictions jockeying for who gets control of those tax dollars. And if you don't have records to prove it, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. So th- there are so many different things that have kind of come up with the, the STO issue. You know, we've seen a couple companies that, that raise their tokens through a, a offshore company and then want to try and figure out a way that they bring that money back to a US-based development company. There's all sorts of hoops that you have to jump through there and, and things that you have to do to be cautious to not recognize that as revenue. And nine times out of 10, you know, if, if you're thinking that you're being sneaky by giving a loan from your foreign company to your US company with no interest, with no intent to repay and no promissory note, and it's really just a loan in name only, the IRS can and has gone back and unwound loans and said, this is actually income. You need to recognize it as income and, and it's subject to US taxes. So you have to be very, very cautious if you're thinking about doing a, a, a token raise, how you're going to go about that. It's it's such a mess. And let's face it, the IRS is still getting up to speed on it. A ton of CPAs really have no idea yet. Are we facing a um, a reporting crisis, you know, over the next few years as, as uh, the laws might shift and change and IRS starts auditing? Is it going to get crazy? I, I think it will. You know, the IRS has been been dropping hints for the last year and a half, honestly, that they're going to start enforcement. There was one note that they, they put out of, you know, here, hey, either, these are the five focus areas that we're really going to dig into this year. And I think number three on that list or number two on that list was 
virtual currencies, which is the IRS nomenclature for crypto. And, and in that little blurb, they said, at this time, the IRS is not considering any sort of amnesty program for cryptocurrencies. So they're, they're going to come fast. You know, and I say fast, and we're talking government fast. So probably another year or two before we see any major enforcement action. But anyone that thinks that, you know, well, this this immutable public blockchain that we're all doing transactions on, that you're somehow going to be cute by by being able to hide that. Now, I'm not talking about privacy coins. Um, you know, I, I always get the, the counter, well, what about Monero? Well, you know, Monero still has a fiat on-ramp and off-ramp typically for other cryptos. That's not necessarily guaranteed that you're going to hide from that. And it's, it's just like being a, a criminal in any other capacity. If you have a $500,000 car in your driveway, but claim $2 on your, your tax return, the feds are going to have questions. I mean, that's how they got Capone. But honestly, I, th- I think there's going to be some reporting issues and there's going to be a very big need for qualified, qualified tax professionals, both that understand how to settle with the IRS and both that understand how to actually put together crypto records. So I've got quite a few clients actually that, that come from the, the 2012 era that we actually went back and filed a bunch of amended returns, filed a bunch of FBAR disclosures, things along those lines in order to get them back up to speed to make sure that they were fully compliant. So when they cashed out in 2017, they were good to go. That way there's no other you know long offset paper trail that the IRS is going to come knocking on their door about and trying to audit proof them as much as, as possible. You mentioned, Drew, using Excel to track your cryptos, but there's, you know, many of the exchanges offer the ability to download a spreadsheet. And I know that there's some tools out there. One of them I've seen is coin tracking that info that lets you import your spreadsheets and it kind of does the calculations for you. Could you uh, put some meat on that, please? Yeah, certainly. So so there's quite a few different companies out there. Um, there's a wide variety of, of prices, a wide variety of services. A lot of them do API integrations even that you have a, a view-only API key that you sync that up. And it works really well with you know your Coinbase's and your traditional exchanges. Um, in some situations, you really need to, to pull those records and manually upload them. Um, but, you know, we've used I've used personally Bitcoin.tax in the past. I've got clients that use Cointracker.io. I think there's one Cointracker.info, the the token tax. I think there's probably now about 20 or 30 different services. Really take a look at them and most offer, you know, at least a free trial. So I would highly, highly recommend, you know, trying them out and seeing what works and what makes it easiest for you and even compare them. You know, if it's only 30 bucks or 50 bucks to to try, that's not not too much of a a cost for you to actually verify the numbers cross-platforms. Great stuff, Drew. So let me ask you this then. What uh, Before we wrap this thing up here, what are maybe some final words of wisdom or just some general guidelines or, or some things that uh, the folks need to be thinking about as they begin to prepare for April 15th or yeah. whatever date is in their country? <laughs> yeah, certainly. So I, I think the biggest thing is, is really just get your records as together as possible from a tax preparer perspective. It's easier for you to send me everything at once than to kind of you know send it in one at a time. The sooner you get it into your tax preparer, the more time they can devote to that return. If you send it to them on April 14th, you're kind of tying your hands and you're probably going to end up filing an extension. So even though you can't file your return electronically as an individual until the 28th of January, doesn't mean that we can't be working on those crypto records right now and getting that all put together and and figured out. Um, The other thing too is, I mean, if if you're a small business and you've got profit, look at doing what's called a a SEP, S-E-E-P, I-R-A. And taking some of that profit and actually putting it into a retirement account, there's a number of different ways that you can actually invest in cryptos through a a self-managed IRA. But that SEP allows you to make contributions for 2018 
all the way until April 15th of 2019. So it's a great way to pick up a last minute tax deduction for those that, that need to basically shelter some of that profit. Well, I guess I do have one final question. Do you by chance yeah. have a time machine so I can go back <laughs> to January 7th, 2018 and sell a bunch of you know, we're, we're actually we're actually putting together an ICO to, to fund time travel. We're going to go back to oh, 2014. Man. I need your That's email so address at the time so we can tell you to buy all of the tokens. And then we'll send oh, you another ingenious. email on, on uh, January of 2018 to I sell everything it. as well. Oh, man, that is really handy. Yeah, the time point. Uh, Drew Karnowski <laughs> with uh, Archer Tax Group. There's a bunch of links that you guys can find in the show notes to archertaxgroup.com keys.casa what is that what's keys.casa so casa is one of those service providers that that we we've really liked a lot um i've seen a bunch of different uh, articles posted and, and pictures posted about the gemini security and, and all that kind of stuff and them really pushing for regulated exchange casa actually helps you secure your own cryptocurrencies at home without having to worry about having them on an exchange i'm not a big fan of leaving mm-hmm. tokens on an exchange if at all possible casa really helps in securing those tokens and basically letting you run your own node from home right on well we appreciate you coming on hope you guys have gotten value from this today pay your taxes pay your taxes there you have it pay your taxes just pay the taxes and you don't want to be getting in trouble and now you've got the information that you need and you know there might be changes in the future there probably will be changes to the tax law but i think we are all liable for the law in the year that it applied I think the, the, it's probably changed since we did this show. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. No, it hasn't. Cha- it hasn't changed since 2014, according to Drew. So I think we're good. Uh, I think that, that what true. we've got now is actual financial advice from a certified public accountant and his uh, team at ArcherTaxGroup.com. So this is pretty momentous. This is like the second podcast ever where we've actually had real financial advice. <laughs> What do we not count the eight episodes with he whom we do not name? <laughs> well, he was not a licensed financial advisor. No, he was not. And um, hope hope all is is doing well there. You know what? Um, I'm going to give a quick Voldemort? tease. Are you here. talking about Voldemort? Yeah, Voldemort. I'm going to give a quick oh. tease for something that we've got going on, Travis. For those who are going to South by Southwest in Austin, um, if you were there last year, then you may recall that there was a bad crypto meetup. That took place. Uh, Mr. Travis Wright and I got to uh, we got to speak to the audience a little bit, and uh, we didn't really do a show there, but we got to hang out with y'all, and it was a packed house. Well, it is happening again. Uh, Brian Mental of Veramos is putting it on on Saturday, March 9th in a location still to be disclosed, and it's called the Bad Crypto Meetup Hard Fork, and uh, we're going to be there. Is the Bad Crypto Meetup Hard Fork? Come and meet Travis Wright and Joel Com. Exactly. That's how we're going to promote it as well. We might, if we can work it out, um, we might do a live podcast previous to the meetup, you know, where we only let like 50 people in so that we can actually do a show because it's going to be at a bar and it's going to be loud. And if we can pull this off where they can get us the space for that extra hour to do a show, some of you, it'll be first come first serve, I think, for those that'll be able to attend the show. But more details on that forthcoming. And um, I don't even I think we need to maybe do that while we're at South by Southwest because we're going to be in a bar. Maybe we do it after the party where we're all drunk, (laughs) like drunk history. Drunk history cracks me up. It's really hilarious. It could be really bad crypto meetup. 
yeah. the drunk crypto meetup. And you don't, and Travis, you don't know what you're talking about with your oh, your no. coins. You don't know. Yeah, I get really loud when I'm drunk, even louder. I don't, you don't, you don't know. Um, something else. Did you turn down your mic, Travis? It's really loud. I'm like, I'm not using a mic. Watch uh, the Bad Crypto feed this week as well, because we're going to drop the first episode of the Bad Boys of Tech on you when you least expect it. You're going to be like tuning into the Bad Crypto podcast and boom, this new show is going to fall on your head and squish you like a bug. Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? do? And the reason we're doing it is because you we need more British on this, you know, on our podcast. And so Stuart Rogers is going to bring that. Yeah, people were saying, you know, your bad crypto is not sh- enough. And we said, you need to add a British person to it. And we said, well, we're not going to do that, but we maybe will spin it off. We're going to actually fork. We're forking bad crypto yeah. into a tech show. Well, actually, we've already forked once. We forked to the crypto check with Rachel Wolfson. And hopefully you guys have gone and subscribed to her show because uh, she's actually smarter than both of us combined times 10 yeah so go subscribe to the crypto check and of course be sure to review favorite follow and do all the things that would serve the expansion of the bad crypto message to the world we appreciate you guys and mr travis wright has your official marching orders as you go into your week stay bad and stuff The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. How was that? Very nice. Okay. Who's that?